Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He is an activist, an entrepreneur, and he's written a book called Untold. The one and only Mr. Leon Ford. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. I'm going to tell you this man's smile will light up an entire room. It's amazing. Um, all right. Before we get to your backstory, tell me your front story. Tell me, tell me what you're doing in the world to make a difference and put money and, and goodness in people's pockets. Yes, uh, I am what one of my uh, mentors called me a consensus builder. Um, and so I guess, you know, going through, you know, my my backstory, right? Um, and getting some therapy has helped me to be more objective in my leadership. And so I help train police officers. I am like a untraditional consultant for uh, some foundations, for some politicians, for activists uh, and business owners. Um, I also invest in like startup companies and yeah, I do what I can uh, to solve problems in community. And before we get to your backstory, because it's interesting, uh, and I'm teasing this for people, uh, to invest in startups requires money, Leon. What is the source of said money that allows you to be able to do that? Yes. So the source uh, came from, you know, tragedy. Right. Um, I had sued the city of Pittsburgh and um, end up settling out of court. Um, I'm so fortunate for, you know, some amazing mentors and friends that I had access to that kind of helped me make good financial decisions after that, because I know people uh, and we know people who had, you know, come into some type of wealth, be it from, you know, NFL, NBA settlements. Um, and you know, unfortunately they don't always keep it right. right. They don't do the right thing. And so, um, I got a, I got a billion and one questions about your investments, but all right, let's tell, tell the backstory. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing folk. So tell us, tell us how you arrived at this place. Uh, to, and, and I, I wish that no one ever gets a settlement f- from suing the police. Cause I wish that no one ever has to go through what you went through. So tell us what happened. Absolutely. So on November 11th, 2012, I was pulled over by some Pittsburgh police. Uh, During that traffic stop, I provided my driver's license, my registration, my car insurance. And uh, they actually ran my name. And so when they ran my name, everything came back clear. Okay, so wait, wait, pause, pause. So Leon, you're you're in Pittsburgh. What kind of car are you driving? I'm driving a 2006 Infiniti G35. Okay. Uh, it's dark. What time of day is it? It's dark. It's, you know, it's evening, maybe like 9 p.m. And where you were going home? You were going home? I was driving to my grandmother's house. Okay. You see the lights. Whoop, whoop. And you're thinking what? They're going to, well, I saw the officers before I saw the lights. And when I saw the, when I saw their police car, I knew I was going to get pulled over. Why? And so, um, it's like one of them things where you look at a police car, you kind of make eye contact, you just know, like, okay, they're gonna pull me over, even though I didn't do anything, you know, illegal. It's just kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if it's a black thing, I don't, I don't know if it's a black Pittsburgh thing, but uh, you know, when you make that eye contact with them, you just 
you just know it's like a feeling that comes over you and you just kind of, you know, prepare uh, for that traffic stop. All right. So they, they, did they U-turn and turn and, and get you? So they passed you and then they U-turn and you're like, okay, here we go. Cause you've been stopped before, right? Absolutely. Several times. So what happened when they came to the car? So um, they ran my name, everything came back clean. Then they typed L Ford in their system. So if you can imagine Linda, Larry, you know, all types of names came up and they decided on Lamont Ford. And so one of the officers actually had some type of encounter with Lamont Ford and they made me out to be him. So they But your license said Leon Ford. Yes. Your registration license said Leon Ford. Why would why would they say you were Lamont and your information says Leon and it matches your face in the picture? They just thought I was lying about my identity. And um, you know, they made like they insisted that I was uh, Lamont Ford. Um, the traffic stop lasted, you know, almost, you know, 20 minutes. Um, and, you know, after them accusing me of being Lamont for, you know, they used some racial slurs, they threatened me, um, you know, eventually they, uh, one of the officers reached inside of my window, unlocked the door and, uh, they tried to pull me out of the car. Uh, when they tried to pull me out of the car, I actually, uh, pulled off. And one of the officers on the passenger side jumped inside of the vehicle and shot me five times. The adrenaline, did you know immediately that you were shot? No, I didn't. I actually thought that I was tased. It was until, so when I pulled off, the officer shot me. He's in a vehicle. I had crashed into a porch. Uh, almost immediately, one of the officers ran down and you know pulled me out of the car, slammed me on the ground, and handcuffed me. With bullets in and, you, you're bleeding. Yes. And yes. you had a car accident. Yes. Did they, they never called an ambulance? Did they try to? So an ambulance eventually came. Um, but while while I was on the ground, uh, you know, I was like, you know, y'all shot me because I could feel the blood coming out of me. I can feel the blood coming out of my mouth. Uh, it was hard uh, to breathe. And it was interesting. One of the officers actually uh, kneeled down next to my head and he was like, you know, you know, we hope you, you know, effing die. And he said it over and over again. And I could just remember, you know, uh, taking deep breaths and just saying like, yo, I don't, I don't want to die. You know, and I thought about my parents uh, because I had a little sister that was hit by a truck and she was killed. Uh, when she was 10 years old, I was 13. And so I just knew my parents couldn't, uh, they wouldn't, you know, be able to, you know, manage life, you know, losing a second child. We're talking with Leon Ford, uh, author of Untold, and he's telling it, um, survived this encounter, shot five times. Where, where did the bullets enter? Yeah, so one of the bullets went through my neck. Um, two of them went through my chest. One went through my arm and one went through my hip. And 
they pulled you out, slammed you on the ground. Ambulance comes. You get to the hospital, I guess. You're handcuffed probably to a gurney because yeah. you're a complete threat. What did the doctors tell you? So I woke up. I had no concept of time. I, I assume it was a few days later. And a uh, doctor came into my room and he said, you know, we have good news and we have bad news. The good news is you're going to survive. The bad news is uh, you will never walk again. And um, almost immediately, I don't know if it was later that day or the next day, I was being arraigned from my hospital bed in the ICU uh, because I was charged uh, with several felony offenses uh, from that traffic stop. So fast forward. At what point did justice, and I'll put up air quotes because there's nothing that you can't get that day back. They can't rewind. They can't uh, undo the bullets. They can't undo the trauma that you are probably still, I don't know if you still relive that moment. Uh, I can't imagine being shot five times by police thinking I'm going to die, worrying about my parents and all of the things. You think about worrying about your parents while you literally are clinging to life, but you're worrying about how it's going to impact them in that moment. When did they realize that you're not Lamont and that this stop was not right and you should never have been shot? And and the people that say, why, why didn't you just comply, Leon? Why didn't you just get out the car? Why didn't you just, why didn't you just comply? Because I'm hearing the ignorance right now. What right. do you say to that too? Yeah, unfortunately, when you're in those situations, you know, getting out of the car could have left me in the worst uh, situation. You know, uh, it's hard to assume. Um, but when it's dark, you know, when, you know, these officers are threatening you, it's the car feels like safety. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you're a kid, right? And uh, you're scared of a movie and you hide under the covers. If something wanted to get you, it's going to get you whether you're under the covers or not. Right. And so that's what the car was for me. The car was like a safety net, you know, and whether I got out the car or stayed in the car, I just felt safe in, in the car, even though staying in the car, you know, still, um, you know, I end up, you know, being paralyzed. You know? What were you doing? How old were you? You were 19 years old, 19 years old. What did you hope? to do when you're you're in school you're you're going to school to be what um what what was the dream of leon ford at 19 leon ford at 19 was just trying to figure it out you know um i I had went to school to get my cdls uh because my older brother drove trucks i was um also working at an auto body shop Uh, my uncle owned it and uh and so I was painting cars and doing body work that type of stuff uh, I was also uh, doing a little film and video production uh I was also boxing you know I was just um trying to figure out you know what I wanted my life to look like after high school Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. I had uh promised myself I was gonna uh ease away from trauma for 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 this month but you know this story unfortunately and i was was talking to somebody today who's not from the culture it was like i had no idea i i can never imagine 
uh, what black people feel when police pull behind them. And for most folk in this country who have no experience with that, it seems unreasonable that we would have this fear. It seems unreasonable. But we saw recently a lieutenant in the Army, I uh, uh, forgot what branch of the military, who kept driving to get to a, a lit area because he knew pulling over in the dark is dicey, even with his uniform on. And then we saw the interaction, which I'm sure the police must have known he was filming and the, there's cameras in the, in, the, in the gas station and they still showed out. So imagine if he were pulled over. And again, you say it's safer in the car, even if that's irrational, because I don't know what they're going to do. and I'm not getting out. This changed your life forever. But I, I brought you on today because Cena invited, you know, uh, introduced us. And I thank him for that. Uh, but also because even in the most horrific situations, you can turn things around and and make a difference, which is why I wanted to start with the good, you know, yeah. because. Yeah, because, you know, it's not a happy ending because you're not walking. And, uh, you know, you seem like a person that might have been very active as well. Absolutely. Uh, the things that you've missed um, that you look back on, not that you lament on them because clearly you are moving forward, but things that you would have today if you could walk. Yeah, I, um, you know, I think about that. You know, even from a from a, a psychological standpoint, I have a I have an eight year old son, and uh, for the first like three years of his life, I was always there, uh, but I wasn't mentally present because I was dealing with so much trauma. And um, you know, I've been going to therapy for over two years now, and the way that I'm you know present in life is different than how it was you know uh, prior to that. And so, you know, I just want to bring that to the space that, you know, sometimes it's not always about uh, what I could physically do, but how much that trauma and, and the stress impacted, you know, um, my quality of life. Um, the other thing is like, you know, just, I mean, it's simple things, you know, um, you know, walking up and down my grandma's steps, right? Going to visit whenever I want to without having to call, you know, a cousin or someone to come carry me, you know, um, you know, I miss boxing. I miss, you know, uh, I still wrestle with my dad and stuff, but it's just different. Like life is different. I'm a, I am a very uh, resilient person. I'm, I'm a problem solver. So I don't dwell, you know, on much on what I can't do. I just figure out ways to do it. Um, but that is shifting for me as well, because I recognize that there are people in wheelchairs that aren't you know, as uh, independent as I am. And so, you know, now I'm getting to the stage of my process where, you know, even when I could solve a problem and say, oh, this is how I'm going to do this. I'm still considering like, wow, there's there's somebody who is in, in a wheelchair that may not be able to do this. So let me speak to this issue, right? Would be it around, you know, some infrastructure within the city uh, or if it's like some ADA requirements that, you know, uh, a business isn't, you know, um, really, you know, up to date on. So I'm like, in a season of my life where I'm like, all right, cool, I can do this, but let me be an advocate for other people who may not be this independent. Leon Ford is here. Leon Ford Speaks uh, is where you can follow him on Twitter. Breakout.today backslash Leon 
is where you can reach him online. Uh, the book is untold. You have a whiteboard behind you, a uh, very yeah. Katie Porter-esque whiteboard that has some <laughs> sketches on it and some other things. Is this is this where you do your planning? This is where I do my planning, and my son actually drew me in the wheelchair behind me. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. All right, what what is on the plan for this for for your next thing to do? Yeah. So, um, you know, my financial advisor, Richard Murray, um, he's like, you know, he's he's everything to me. He changed my life. Uh, but we're, we're talking about some um, issues around like infrastructure, some issues around um, housing, affordable housing and economic development. And uh, I'm in a very unique position in my city because um, I know a lot of the power players. I know a lot of the activists. And now I have this national uh, platform to bring resources to my city. And so uh, that's what I'm working on, you know, leveraging my platform uh, to make, you know, Pittsburgh more livable for everybody. I know there was a few uh, reports that came out. One report said uh, Pittsburgh was one of the most livable cities in the country. The other one said Pittsburgh was uh, one of uh, the most unlivable for black people. Mm. And so um, I love Pittsburgh and, and, and you know, I'm committed to um, retaining black talent here in Pittsburgh and, and you know, really uh, creating a city, uh, a city where uh, everyone could thrive. We on, uh, um, I'm glad you said that because that was gonna be something I brought up. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh as well. And as an Iranian kid, you know, I didn't have the same experiences as black Pittsburghers, but I had a similar of otherness that I experienced. And when I left, you know, I really looked back and I saw how segregated the city of Pittsburgh actually is. And I remember even like as a senior, when like, uh, like the city buses were coming into like the malls in the suburbs where I lived and the uproar that was happening uh, among like the white suburbanites infuriated me. And, and, and I would see the same thing when schools in Brooklyn and Vinegar Hill and Dumbo were trying to integrate. And all of a sudden these liberal parents were just like, I don't want that to happen. And then you'd see in the New York Times, all these like fancy chefs going to Pittsburgh and Lawrenceville and, and making up restaurants and stuff like that. And I was like, why isn't the real crux of the issue, like the gun violence in Homewood, like all of these things that happened that, that the city of Pittsburgh doesn't get the support or the attention for. My question for you is, can you tell me a specific issue or and a specific maybe solution that you're working on right now that can kind of solve some of those, some of those problems? Yeah, so uh, uh, most of these problems are connected, right? Um, so there's three issues, right? There's, there's this water crisis that we're dealing with. There's an affordable housing crisis due to like a lot of gentrification. And then there's economic development, right? Um, and so to start with the, the lead issue in the, in the water, uh, most, most, the communities that have the most lead are the black communities. Right. And Pittsburgh, for, for those of you don't, who don't know, Pittsburgh is black and white. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's other ethnicities, but like not really. Right. Yeah. I was 85 percent of the Persians in Pittsburgh. So, right. yeah. <laughs> so like it's black and white. If you if you're black, you grow up around black people. If you're white, you grow up around white people. Pittsburgh is one of them cities when you see uh, um, interracial couple, you, you look twice like what's going on. Right. In, in 2021, that still happens. Right. And so uh, 
black communities have higher lead, right, in, in the water, um, which, you know, there, there was a report that came out that I just learned about uh, two days ago, um, where uh, they were looking at the SATs and from students, right, and the black students had, you know, lower scores. And so these researchers came and said, yo, this, this, there's an external variable. This, is, this has nothing to do with school. And they realized that it had a lot to do with the lead, not only in the water, but in the ground that these mm. kids are playing on, right? Um, and so that's connected to like, again, um, gentrification, right? So you got so many people moving into the city, you have huge developers moving in and are pushing people out. Now when you have, you know, uh, communities of black people who are, you know, connected, but kind of separated, that are all moving into these, you know, um, neighborhoods together. They're mixing in ways that they weren't mixing in like the 90s where they had separate projects and different things like that. Now, the last thing is the economic development, right? So a lot of white folks are making a lot of money. Black people are still poor. Black people um, is, still don't have the same access to jobs still, you know, now they're being pushed out to like, you know, um, some, you know, suburban neighborhoods where they don't have good transportation to get back and forth to their jobs. And so when you factor in the health, the education, the economic development, the gentrification, it creates this perfect storm for people to survive. And how do people survive, right? Yeah. You know, some drugs, right? Selling, drug using, using alcohol. Uh, mm -hmm. They're just trying to make yeah. a way for themselves, right? And yeah. then that, you know, feeds into some gun violence. And then when you factor in COVID, right? And young people not going to school, right? They're being going to school online. Some homes don't have, you know, internet, right? It creates this uh, perfect storm for the youth to just be out, right? They don't have much to do. Some of the wives aren't open and it's perfect storm. You see a spike in gun violence. Leon Ford, uh, in Untold is the book. As you're talking to, it's Thrive Thursday. So many people, as you mentioned before, may have settlements. They get uh, windfalls, you know, throughout their lives for different various reasons, like you mentioned, athletes and, and others. Uh, and they end up not doing much with it. And again, I want to celebrate that you not only um, picked yourself up and kept moving and kept a positive attitude and moving forward and getting help. You didn't just try to tough it out. You 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 seek you you sought therapy. You you are still in therapy. You still talk to somebody, but you took the money and made it more so that you can do more. And you talked about your financial advisor. Tell us some tips uh, for you know. I'm not. I don't need to tell tell people the amount of money you got, but what were some of the key things you did with your money to make sure that you had enough to help other people? Yeah. So the first thing was building a team. Right. It's like I had a huge trust issue. And, you know, Richard would tell you, it took me like a year and a half to even open my account. And, you know, I decided to, to you know, um, work with him as a financial advisor because he just would give me advice. Right. He wasn't real pushy. Some other advisors were very pushy. They were like, yeah, we want your money now. We, we, we want to invest it. And, you know, coming from a, 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 a a culture where you ain't, you don't even like i remember being a kid my dad would say never tell nobody how much money you had right um to like to now being like yo like i have this financial advisor and 
You know, I have to tell him how much money I have. I have to have an accountant and all these. It was a new world for me. So right? wait, you had the money just sitting in a checking account or something? Or no, I, had like five, I had like five different bank accounts. <laughs> yeah, I had like five different bank accounts. And like, uh, it was just, it was a process though, right? And so I had to trust the process. And then I had connected to someone who also, you know, understood, right, my process and didn't rush me, didn't force me to, to do anything. He was just there as an advisor, right? And so I think the first thing is, you know, um, finding some good people that you trust, right? And it's the same thing with a therapist. Sometimes you go to a therapist on your first try and you find someone that you really could vibe with, but sometimes it's like dating, you know, you might have to talk yeah. to a few different advisors. Absolutely. You might have to talk to a few different therapists, right? And, you know, same like with, with Richard. Richard connected me to a few different attorneys. He connected me to a few different accountants. And he said, bro, this is your life. You have to choose who works best with you, you know? And, and so, you know, building that team was so important, you know, and then networking going outside of my comfort zone to connect with different types of people, you know, being invited to uh, different communities like the breakout community, like the summit community. I spoke at Summit LA a few years ago. Uh, I'm in a community called Voyagers, which, you know, is a bunch of people um, mainly from Europe, you know, and there's a bunch of different investors and tech people. Um, and, and so also a meditation community that I'm a part of, Mela. So all these communities are like really cool people who are about their business. And we just share opportunities and ideas. You know, mm -hmm. I had a conversation with a friend the other day uh, because we were talking about trauma bonds and, you know, you know, growing up in the hood, right? Some of, you know, my closest friends used to be people who like, could have my back, right? Or they kept a secret in the ninth grade. Um, and so like now I'm in a life where I went from surviving to thriving. And my friends are people who, you know, we think, you know, similar, we solve problems, we collaborate. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, connect people and each other to opportunities, you know, you, like- you turn, you turn the I into we and turn illness into wellness. I'm gonna keep that Malcolm X quote Absolutely. to the forefront and you're doing so many great things. I want people to follow you at Leon Ford speaks and get your book untold, which we'll tweet out as well. I'm so incredibly proud of you. Um, more importantly, I want to thank you for inspiring us Leon Ford with your journey. You are light and uh, thank you, Cena as well for constantly contributing to this goodness here on the Karen Hunter show. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.